ladies and gentlemen, listening from around the world, we are live! Welcome to this episode of Tailgates and Teasers! And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, introducing your host, Drew Gwerner! It's time! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode six of Tailgates and Teasers. I'm your host, Drew Gwerder, and we have a lot of announcements today. We have a really cool episode coming up here, sports talk with uh, basketball. We got Joshua J.J. Crum coming on, talk some hoops, and then we got Jake Ward and Andrew Gray coming on to talk some baseball later in the show. Uh, before we get going, a few announcements. Uh, the Costin Hammer Network has partnered with... Special Olympics Northern California as our charity of choice uh, to kick off the partnership. They'll be launching a hashtag better together CHN fitness challenge with the funds raised benefiting special Olympics, Northern California. This event encourages communities to stay active and virtually connected while raising funds and awareness for individuals with intellectual disabilities. All you have to do, take a picture of your workout, your hike, you riding your bike, whatever it may be. Um, tag at cost and hammer on Instagram and then put the hashtag better together. Uh, all these funds that we raise from this will, you know, benefit the 26,000 athletes of special Olympics, Northern California. Another announcement, our Instagram page at tailgates and teasers is doing giveaways every single day. All you have to do is comment the correct stat line on the post. We'll do, we'll throw a player out there every single day, a new player. All you have to do is comment the exact stat line. So right now we have a lot of NBA action going on. If you can guess the correct number of points, rebounds, and assists, you'll win 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever it may be, whatever mood I'm in that day, that's how much we're going to be willing to give away. Um, if no one wins money will be thrown into a pot. And then at the end of the NBA playoffs, that money will be donated to victims of the California wildfires. So be sure to, um, play, play along, donate. It's all for a good cause. Um, stay tuned for more updates on that. Before we get going today, shout out to our sponsors, Broken Bout Workshop and Pure Effect Golf. Uh, at checkout, use code TNT10 for 10% off your order at Broken Bout Workshop. And at Pure Effect Golf checkout, be sure to use the code TAILGATES, all caps, for 20% off. Uh, basketball talk with JJ coming up right now. And then later in the episode, we have Jake and Drew for some baseball. So that said, episode six starts right now. All right. Joining me now, we have Joshua JJ Crum. JJ, thanks for coming on the show, bro. Appreciate you having me, my guys. Shout out to Delgate and Caesar. We got uh, some hoop talk coming your way today. We're going to talk some NBA bubble, 76ers, Phoenix Suns, Paul George, Luka Doncic. Uh, what's next for LeBron? Or what's next for the Sixers? How important it is for LeBron to win this year? 
Warriors possibly flipping a draft pick. So stay tuned. We got a lot coming your way today. But let's let's start with the NBA bubble, man. We had some nothing short of entertaining playoffs so far. The Celtics sweeping the Sixers, Raptors sweeping the Nets, Heat sweeping the Pacers. The Jazz are up three one against Denver. The Bucks are up three one against Orlando. We got the Rockets and Thunder. And the Mavs and Clips all tied at two games of pop, and we have the Lakers taking a commanding 3-1 lead with Lillard sitting out game five. So that should be interesting. What are your thoughts on the NBA bubble so far? So far, my thoughts are Luka looks like the best player in the league in the bubble right now for how young he is. People forget he, he barely turned 21 this year, so he can barely buy some alcohol. But uh, <laughs> he's acting like he's been in the league for seven, eight years, and it's it's really impressive. And then the other thing that I'm actually really impressed with that a lot of people aren't talking about, Chris Paul is leading the uh, OKC to like a, in a pretty good direction playing against a, like a bona fide scoring team in the Rockets. Obviously, they don't have rest. But I think, honestly, they might score a little bit better without rest because he's not the best shooter in the world. That's still my guy and all, but... The fact that Chris Paul has him in this position, that's actually really impressive. And obviously, it's a lot of fun to watch a veteran guy like that. And Chris Paul, man, we I've been watching him since since he was on the New Orleans Hornets, man. And it's just year in year out he continues to produce, which is really fun to watch at a guy his age. Absolutely, and I think it's people take older players for granted because they're so used to watching what they do, and then people realize like, okay, a lot of people can do what these players can do. So that's why I always tell people like appreciate the guys while they're here, while they're here, because when they're gone, it's going to be we're going to miss them a lot. So, a guy like Melo, who now he's back that's and people guy. appreciate him, you know. Oh my God, I I will never forgive half the league and half the world for how they treated my. That's my favorite basketball player ever, and. I was I was so mad whenever he was blackballed at the league. I still to this day I think it's the Rockets' fault, um, but that's it. I don't want to get off track with that. Um, but I love I love seeing players like that, especially my favorite player to produce and take these big shots. Obviously, they're in a sticky situation right now. I think they're done for now. The game is definitely out, but uh, I love seeing the older players still going at it. Definitely, um, you mentioned Luka Doncic, man, twenty-one years old. He had 43 points, 17 boards, and 13 assists, hitting the game-winning buzzer beezer against the Clippers the other night. That that series right there is, I think, the best series to watch right now in the playoffs. You got a bunch of all-stars on on uh, the Clippers. Paul George isn't showing up. You could sign me to a 10-day, and I could do what he's doing. But, I mean, that it's still a fun series to watch. You know, with Kawhi, he has a possibility to do something great, three championships, three different teams. So what do you think is next for the uh, 76ers moving forward? We have, they got swept. The GM came out the other day, said he wants to keep Joel as well as Ben Simmons. But I have my thoughts. I want to hear yours. So it's it's kind of tricky because I'm one of those people, I love to watch players develop and give them some time. Um, Joel, obviously, I think Joel has panned out for sure, and been holding on to him for, I think, one to two years, even though he had his injuries and all that stuff. <laughs> Excuse me. So I think that he has to stay. If, if I'm them, I, the only way I'm trading him is if I get everybody. I need I need everything and everything from everybody. I, I want Ben Simmons to succeed. It's, it's just really hard because he hasn't shown that he, that he wants to shoot the ball yet. He's, he's shot a few jump shots, but 
he hasn't proven that. I think it's one thing to make shots and another thing to take shots. He's not even taking them. Right. And so I think that I think that next year they should try it one more time, and then if they can't get it together by next year, not necessarily winning a championship, but even go, but for them just to go pretty deep in the East, then I think they have to get rid of Ben Simmons. Personally, I know losing a six ten point guard is is tough to hear, um, but I feel like. Joel is one of those guys where he's he's almost like a unicorn in the sense where he's seven feet tall, he's so big, he's nimble, he can shoot, he can dunk on you, he can dribble, he can do it all. Um, but Ben Simmons has to show that he can at least shoot at least wide open shots or people go under shoot a little mid range. So I personally think that they should blow it up. I know they're competitive, but each year they seem to be like around the four or five seed. Um, they're I don't see them catching a healthy Nets team next year with Durant and Kyrie back. I see the Celtics staying at the top up there. Uh, I see the Bucks staying really well. Um, and they're just, I think they have a hard time competing with those teams. I would personally um, blow it up. That's what I would do. I would start a re- rebuild. I would keep Joel maybe for, like you said, maybe one to two more years, one more year, just see how it plays out. But if next year it doesn't work out, I'm trading Simmons or Joel. Um, and just kind of starting from scratch, you know, getting a lot for them while they're so yeah. valuable and young. Um, I think the one thing they're, they're really missing a lot, and people take it for granted, is Jimmy Butler. Because uh, Jimmy's not the type of person to go get you 30 every night, but one, he's going to play defense. Two, he's going to hold everybody accountable, and three, he's going to make a big shot. And I think that's something that they missed down, like, in the fourth quarter, because he's so competitive. So he might score 18, but he might score eight of those eighteen all in the fourth and in the last uh, in the last few stretches. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think they're missing him a lot. Cause you see Miami's grooving right now, and yep. they don't have a they don't have a quote unquote superstar unless you want to put Jimmy in that category. I don't know if I'd put him in that category yet. Um, but the fact that he's he's doing really well in that team that shows a lot about the type of player he is. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not gonna be mad at you for your statement about blowing it up. They might pass you. Yeah, I don't think he's a superstar. I do think that he's one of those guys that you need on a team, though. He said after Absolutely. after the sweep of the uh, Pacers, he told the person interviewing him, he said, I don't care about my numbers. I just want to win. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. You saw him bring up the ball. You saw him try and score. You, try, you find guys that are open. He kind of does it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you got you need someone like that. Moving on real quick, Paul George. What is going on with Paul George, JJ? I need Pandemic to know. Pandemic <laughs> I don't know. Pandemic P is letting me down right now. I know I thought it was a fluke from last year, but uh, everybody calls Joe Ingles the the PG stopper ever since last year in the playoffs. But uh, he seems he's, to have he's zero living up luck. to he, he's he's living up to his, his playoff name. I don't I don't know what's going on. I think he's in his own head because to me, honestly, there's no excuse for him. He's six ten. He can dribble. He's athletic. He can shoot. There's honestly no excuse besides. I don't know if his confidence is shot. I don't know if his comments about Dame really messed him up because it seems like ever since then he hasn't been able to find the shot. He's made three, I think he's made four shots max in all four games. Like, I mean, not all four combined, but in each game, I think he's made four at the most. Yeah. Um, and he, he went like one game like three for 16. I'm like, God, I'm like, how are you doing this? So Kawhi and Lou Will have been kind of carrying that team. So if they don't, if, Everything, I kind of had this conversation with my friend. Everything is dependent on Paul George. Kawhi's going to always give you at least 25. Somehow, right. some way. Lou Will's going to get you 15 to 20. 
Um, they got to give you a 10 day. From, I, I can go out there and run around and get cardio like Paul George is doing. <laughs> if that's what they want me to do for a 10 day contract, I'll run around. Yeah. So I don't know. It, I think everything's dependent on him. So if he doesn't pick it up, then the Mavericks is going to get this one. His struggles date back to last year, right? When they were playing the Blazers, he was on the Thunder and Lillard hit that shot in his face mm-hmm. to send him home. Um, couple other people I want to talk about Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns as well as Bradley Beal what are they got to get off those teams right are you saying stick around because their teams are so young especially the Phoenix Suns they need to free Bradley Beal Bradley Beal's been in jail for a a minute now so (laughs) uh John John Wall's too busy at the club all the time and getting hurt in his house and I, I don't I think he needs to have that they just paid him though so I think that I don't know what that means they have to trade him um, because I don't think he's going to be a free agent anytime soon. Um, Washington can get some nice pieces for him, though. I will say that um, if they just want to rebuild. But I, I would love to see Bradley Bill on another team. I would love it. As far as the Suns go, I honestly think that the Suns, in the direction that they just went, um, in that ain't no stretch in the bubble, I think that they should stick with what they have and keep on building. Because um, people don't realize how young they are, I think. Kelly Oubre is 24, D-Book is 23, DeAndre Ayton is 22. Um, they got a bunch of young guys. Even even Dario, I think Dario's on that team, Dario Sarge, mm-hmm. and he used to be on the 76ers. I think Dario's 25 max, maybe. Um, so they have a lot of young guys, and I love to see them develop. And I think that if they have one more piece, or if they can get somebody in free agency, um, they need like a defense, like a two-way player that can help D-Book on both ends. And I think they can start to compete with people for sure because Ricky Rubio is not a bad point guard himself yeah I agree I, I think the um Bradley Beal has to get off the, the Wizards I think that, that situation is just they're never going to win there even though John Wall's a great point guard when he's healthy I think that that has to blow up too kind of similar to the 76ers situation that we were just talking about earlier and Devin Booker man mm-hmm. there were a lot of rumors saying I don't know if you saw him or not but the Knicks would possibly try and Get him on. They have a lot of money. They would try to sign and trade or do something there to get Booker in New York. They have a good draft pick or the eighth overall pick. Um, I don't know. I don't think anybody wants to go to New York. I yeah. don't know why. It's just like they, it's just like they're almost perfect at this point. But somebody's going to go there eventually and turn them around. I don't think Booker wants to. Um, I think he's in a good situation where he's at. Yeah. Um, I think the only reason you go to New York is for the big name, um, and if you can get some players to go with you. Right. But. I don't know. I don't know who wants to go. Right? It just seems like the not even the basketball stuff, but just like the the vibe from the ownership to the GM. It doesn't seem like people enjoy their time there. Um, and yeah, I think I think D-Book's actually in a, in a really good situation. I think that the hardest part for him is just being in that West with people like Luca, LeBron, and Dame, and all that. But you talk about good ownership, good GMs. Um... Sacramento Kings, Vlade Divac stepped down a few weeks ago, or uh, last week actually, and he's been getting criticized for you know not taking Luca at number two overall, taking Marvin Bagley, who is very injury prone. Um, I just have to rant real quick. The Sacramento Kings get the short end of the stick every single time. The Maybe. Phoenix Suns passed on Luca. The Sacramento Kings passed on Luca. The Atlanta Hawks, third overall, drafted Luka and then traded him to Mavs at five. None of that is talked about. Only the Sacramento Kings are the ones that get the short end of the stick. 
I, I don't know. It's, it kind of pisses me off, to be honest, being a, from Sacramento and a Kings fan, just year in and year out, always having to deal with, we could have had him, we could have had him. I know, like, these are completely different situations, but in 09, we pa- passed on Curry, quote-unquote. 2011, passed on Kawhi. I know these guys were, like, middle middle of the first round. Um, we were higher. Obviously, their grades weren't for where our pick was, but now they turned into stars, and we passed on Curry, we passed on Kawhi. 2013, passed on Giannis, quote-unquote, again, another one of those situations. 2015, Devin Booker from Kentucky. 2018, Luka Doncic at number two. So it's been tough for a Kings fan, man. I just had to go on a little rant there. Um, and, and, to, and to you guys, I'm like, I'll defend you guys for a minute. Marvin Bagley was arguably the best player in college. He's he, just so injury-prone. And yeah, and I and it's just like there's no way of you knowing like who's going to pan out and who's not going to be injured. And yeah. uh, same thing with DeAndre Aiden. It was like you can and the other thing too is that there's there's so many guards and so many small forwards out there, right? Especially for the NBA. So when you find a big, it's almost rare. You know what I mean? Right. Especially somebody that was doing stuff that Marvin was doing. Mm-hmm. And Marvin's really young too, so I don't want them to give up on him yet. Um, maybe he might stop being injured. Who yeah. knows? Maybe. Um, but if he can turn it around, I think he has a lot of potential, man. And I think he fits yeah. well with Sacramento, what they were trying to do. Fox bringing up the ball really quick, mm-hmm. buddy shooter, bogey shooter, um, and then having a very athletic big with a you know quick jump, uh, quick second second jump or whatever they say in basketball terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, good rebound. I think another thing about it, too, I think another thing about it, too, is that all the people that you named, like, because you guys, who do you guys got on now? Was that Tyreek? Tyreek in 09, Jimmer Fredette in 11, Ben McLemore in 2013, Willie Cauley-Stein in 2015, and Marvin Bagley in 2018. So, I, I, I'll say this. The only ones that I might have been like, uh, I don't know, is Cauley-Stein. Jimmer's small, but he could shoot. Like, that was kind of like a reach, but he was shooting from half yeah. court. So, it was like whatever. Tyreek was – He looked promising. I that was a great pick. Rookie of the I, year. I, I thought Tyreek – that was his best year, and that was the – Sad part about it. that was the best yep. Tyreek looked with his rookie year, yep. and then um, and then who who'd you say after that? You said Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore on Kansas. Ben McLemore on Kansas. There was lights out. You could have told me that he could have been an All Star because he was athletic. He could shoot. He was six five. It's like that's all the two. Like when you think about draft combines and all that stuff, that's really what you look for is athleticism, shooting, and size. And he had it all. Yeah. Um, some people just don't pan out, and I think part of that too is. The teams that let their rookies kind of just do whatever they want and make the mistakes and kind of like play through them end up seeing the success like the Warriors just let Steph kind of develop and same thing with books. They let them kind of do whatever they like versus trying to have them be the, the two or the three as far as like options go. But yeah. Another thing no too problem. with Luca on the Kings, he even said when he wanted to come out of the draft, he said, I want the ball primarily in my hands, right? He wanted to be that, that star player. And with, throwing all our chips in on Fox, which, don't get me wrong, Fox is going to be, I think, one of the best point guards over the next decade. Um, that would have taken a lot of his development away, and I think the Kings were kind of standoffish with that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, good quick shooter, quick release shooter, Buddy Hill, as I mentioned, Bogdanovich, who, you know, lights out from the field. Uh, but I think Bagley complimented them best, and that's why Vlade went and passed on Luka too. And that's why I'm not even mad at him because, like you said, De'Aaron Fox, it, which it blows my mind how much we look alike when he cut his hair. That's a whole other yeah. discussion. Um, 
But De'Aaron Fox is he's probably the fastest point guard in the league with the ball in his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like I said, these guys are young, so you have to give them some time. John, um, John Morant's another run. one. John is ridiculous. Oh my goodness! He, like these guys are just so these guys are so athletic. Right. And I, another thing too is beyond six four. People forget he's long. He's six four. There's shooting guards that are six four, and have your point guard. He's a two way point guard. He's got to be able to knock down the wide open threes and the going under the screens. But yeah, I, I can't blame Vardy for Vardy for picking Marvin at all. To be honest with you. Yeah. Staying on the front office GM talk, the Warriors probably have one of the best front offices. They know how to develop players. They know how to draft players. And they have the number two pick this year, which is scary coming back next year with a healthy Curry, who people forgot about because Dame has been tearing it up. You have Mm -hmm. a healthy Klay Thompson. You have Draymond's back. And then you also have this number two pick now. And do you think this front office keeps that pick? and does what they do best, develop this player to be on the Warriors, whoever it may be, or do you think they flip that pick and get another star to add to those big three? So it's interesting because, like you said, they do such a good job as far as developing their players. Um, and I think playing for the Warriors, honestly, whoever ends up playing for the Warriors most of the time ends up, just like kind of how people used to play for the Spurs, they end up doing really well just because the ball never sticks um, with the Warriors, even though you have – that was a 30-point score, play 20 to 25-point score. They don't need the ball much in their hands. So it's like you'll always get a chance to kind of display something. Even when we had Quinn Cook, Quinn Cook was really good with us. He's nowhere near a number two pick in the NBA draft, you know what I mean? Right. Um, it's interesting because the Timberwolves have the one. They have the number one. I doubt that they're going to trade Carl Town. So that means that they're more than likely, unless they really – the league isn't going – in a big man direction is one mainly guards. So I can't imagine that they'll take uh, James Wiseman. So that means that the Warriors could take Wiseman and he's really athletic. He's kind of skinny, but he's young. So it's like, okay, whatever, we can just bulk him up a little bit. And then he's going to be able to display some of his skills, whether it's passing, flashing, shooting on the Warriors because he's going to have a chance to touch the ball. Or, and this is the scary part, you can package that with, certain players and try to get one and I say one big name player who doesn't have an ego because you don't want to have any Antonio Brown here right. or whatever in your locker room. The issue is you have to figure out who you're going to give up because if you want a big name player, the number two pick isn't the only thing that's going to be involved. You're going to have to give up whether that's Draymond. I would never, never, never give up playing if I was there. No. Uh, you got to keep, keep Steph and Clay yeah, together, I think. Have to. Yep. So I think the only person that I would consider, and I don't even know if I would because he's the heart and soul of their team, is Draymond. Um, but I think that if the Warriors are smart, they, they take Wiseman unless they can – I don't know who they're even – everybody's saying Giannis. I'm like, I don't know if a number two pick is going to be enough to get him. And I'm like, that would be great if, if he came. And people are saying Joel. Some people are saying Miles Turner. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I like Miles because he doesn't need the ball a whole lot. He can shoot. He can be athletic. But I don't know if he's worth the number two pick. Um, so I honestly, I think that them keeping that pick and taking James Wiseman would be probably the smartest thing for them to do. I agree. Um, we, you mentioned Giannis. I think we're going to change it up a little bit. I think Luca and Giannis are going to be competing 
this decade for who's the best player. You know, in the 90s, it was Jordan. 2000s, we had Kobe. 2010s, we had LeBron. And the 2020s, it's up for grabs, I think, um, as of right now. You know, you can't forget about the great players like Kevin Durant that are was kind of right behind LeBron, you know, in his career, and he's going to be there for the 2020s um, as well. But I think Luka personally is the player for the 2020s. What do you think? I mean, if he keeps on going in this direction, I don't see why he wouldn't be. I mean, the fact that he's, like I was saying before, he's 21 years old doing stuff like this. He's getting triple-doubles every night. He's it's not like these 10 rebounds. He's grabbing 17 rebounds and getting 14 assists and he's scoring and he's hitting the question. There's really only knock you could say for him is that he doesn't play defense. That's not what he's getting paid for at all. Yeah. So I'm like, look, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was him. Um, I think the only thing that he could really improve on is obviously his defense and him shooting that three-pointer at like a ridiculous clip. Those, that, that's only the, that was the only knock I have on him because he's a great passer. He's got good side. He knows how to use his body. He goes his own pace. I'm like, I don't know how. Like, he's been playing pro since he was 16, but I would have never imagined that someone would come over to the league and do this to the best league in the world. And then as far as Giannis goes, I'm not completely sold on Giannis being the best until I can see him consistently make like a, like a pull-up jump shot. It doesn't have to be a three, but yeah. similar to how KD has his that walk catch in. and not, he, doesn't force, he doesn't force anything in the paint. Because that's what happened in the playoffs last year. He was just forcing everything. That's why they lost trying to force it in the paint. If he can consistently knock those down, then I think that, yeah, he can definitely do the best player in the league. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's between, it's between those two for sure. And then, like you said, KD has got something to prove, so we'll see how he comes back. LeBron's legacy. The guy has three rings right now. He, in my opinion, this year is a must-win situation for him, for his legacy. Um. Next year in the East, you have, I know LeBron's in the West, but next year in the East, you have a healthy Kyrie and KD, which also they might be getting Greg Popovich rumors out there. You never know. Uh, the Warriors, when they come back, as I said, healthy Curry, healthy Clay, healthy Draymond, number two pick, they're going to be tough. I think they're the favorites in the West next year. LeBron is going to have it tough. To me, when the Lakers are inconsistent, he has to carry the team along with Davis. They have nothing else, really. But when they're all on, like KCP, JR, those guys that are shooting and missing a lot right now, but last night uh, they put up, they were making everything, it seemed like. They're just like this. That's why I think a guy like Bradley Beal, I don't know what the cap space situation is or anything like that, but adding a player like Bradley Beal to the Lakers would be really, really good. Um, but for LeBron's legacy, I think it's a must-win for him this year. He secures his fourth and um, three different teams, three different titles. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think that you you brought up, like, interesting points as far as people being injured, too. I think that there's always going to be that, oh, like, Kobe played with Shaq, so he didn't really win three on his own. And, oh, Jordan was playing against, like, six-foot-two guard. Like, people always have something to say, you know what I mean? But especially, Rocky, rather champion. especially against the greatest players of all time, you know, or at least for that generation. Exactly. There's exactly. always going to be haters. And so, yeah. Always. So I think that when you talk about Brian, I think the only knock on him, if he does win, is that um, Steph's not playing, um, that um, KD isn't playing. I think those are going to be the knocks because 
in theory, they they have probably between them and the Clippers, they have the best chance to make the finals. Yeah, um, and the Clippers, that's talent, another team. Just from a, that's another team I forgot about. Just from a talent standpoint. And yeah. so I think that I think that this could definitely add to his legacy because he went to the Lakers and got one, especially um, in a year where we lost Kobe, rest in peace to Kobe, the Mamba. Right. Um, so I think that that would definitely add to it. It's been a weird year in the bubble. Um, so I think that this would definitely, I wouldn't know if it would secure it, but I think that you would have to put a lot more respect on his name just because he went out there. And like you said, they, their team isn't that good. And if you really just look at their roster, um, the That's only person that you could say is that is an actual really good player. Um, and this is like hit or miss. Sometimes it's cool. Everybody else is like, I don't know what I'm going to get from KCP. He had one point the other night. That's, Danny Green is 3 and D. Yeah, that's my point, though. All these players are very inconsistent with their shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Avery Bradley is a pretty consistent player, but he opted out and decided not to play in the playoffs. That hurt them a lot. I just think, personally, mm-hmm. this year, it's a must-win for the Lakers and LeBron's legacy. I think I think it's definitely a, a must-win championship year for him. Um, and because he's, if he's not 34, I think he's 35. Right. Um, so... You're getting to the end. It seems like he gets he gets better each year for some reason, but it's we'll crazy see how everything turns out. The older he gets, man, I don't know. He's taking Michael's secret juice or whatever. Michael's juice. He's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like fine wine, man. Secret sauce. All right, uh, JJ. That's all I got for us today for Hoop Talk. I appreciate you swinging by. And uh, if you haven't yet, listeners, be sure to check out JJ's Mental Game on YouTube under the Costin Hammer Network. And as always, it's good to have you on, man. Talk again soon. Appreciate you guys. Shout out to Tailgate and TV. Shout out to the Warriors. Shout out to Dame Dollar. Shout out to the Raiders, man. <laughs> All right, JJ. Take care, bro. All right. Thanks for having me, bro. Yep. All right, here with me today, Jake Ward and Andrew Gray. We're going to talk some baseball. It's been a little while. Guys, thanks for coming on. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having us back. Uh, baseball has been very exciting. We're at the halfway point, and let's talk some shops. So we got the biggest surprises and biggest duds so far as a team from a team standpoint. Jake, I'm going to pass it your way. What's the biggest surprise for you this year so far? My biggest surprise has been the Miami Marlins. They've quietly flown under the radar. They've posted a couple wins. They're hanging up there in, in second place right now, which – is good enough to get them somewhere between the fourth and the sixth seed if the, the season was to end today. So they're, they're one of my biggest surprises. They're kind of flying in there. We'll see if they can kind of outlast it. I know they've also got a few games to make up, but let's go with Miami for right now. Drew, what about you? Yeah, it's a great choice. Uh, my biggest surprise is I, I'm going to say the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they were a team I had pegged for third or fourth place, having kind of a disappointing year. And uh, when you look at their stats, I mean, they're below league average and basically all pitching and hitting stats. I'm not exactly sure how they're putting it together. I think they're just taking advantage of a pretty underwhelming NL Central. And uh, they're, they're making the best of their opportunities and they're winning games. I think you just basically got to get close to 300 to make the playoffs this year or 500. And they already have 18 wins. So, yeah, you're talking about in. 500 teams. 
My biggest surprise is the Baltimore Orioles. They're 14 and 14, sitting right at 500, and they're only a half game back of the last playoff spot. I know all of us had the Baltimore Orioles pegged to be probably last place and not win many games this year, but they're competing. You know, they got a lot of no names on their team who are really putting up numbers. So that's that's what I got for my biggest surprise. Uh, Jake, don't disrespect Hanser Alberto like that, calling him a no name. <laughs> who what are you doing? Santander. Oh, who? come on now. Don't, don't give me this. Don't give me that. Who? No, I'm just kidding. Um, biggest dud, Jake, going back to you. What team is underwhelmed, underperformed this year? I've got a couple, but I'm going to start with what seems to be a perennial underperformer, and that's the Los Angeles Angels. You go out, you get Rendon. You have Mike Trout, of course, I should go without saying. Otani, you've got a couple of young rookies that everyone was really expecting a lot from, and they've fallen flat on their face. So my first team is the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, close seconds and thirds, Philadelphia, way too good. Bryce Harper's having a monster year, and you guys are, are down near the bottom. Too, way too low. And also, for the pure and simple fact that they can't stay on the field because – Apparently, they got some, some partiers in the locker room, but the St. Louis Cardinals, if you guys could just play some games, you'd be pretty good. Yeah. Drew, what about you? I mean, even with that, they're still in second place, you know. Um, so, I also – I got two teams. Uh, the Angels are going to be my first team. I'm not going to touch on it too much because, Jake, I think you hit it right on the head. Just another year of wasting uh, Trump and not uh, – Trump – Trout and not having him in the, uh, in the playoffs. Um, a team you didn't touch on uh, that's going to be a, a big disappointment to me is going to be the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I was really high on them. I thought that they were going to be the wild card pick. And um, even though they've had great performances from Sonny Gray and Bauer and uh, Winker, um, just Suarez, Moustakis, and Votto, you're, just, you're not getting anything out of them. And in a weaker NL Central, I would have liked to see them feast a little bit more. And so uh, – Definitely, I think 11 and 16 is an extremely disappointing start to me. And the bullpen that I had pegged pretty high, I think, is um, the most underperforming. So. Uh, one team that I forgot to mention on teams that have surprised me, the San Francisco Giants, just really quickly. Um, I know they have a bunch of no names as well, but there are a lot of young guys that have coming up, and they can hit, in my opinion. They are 14 and 16, also in the playoffs right now in the NL. Um, as an eight seed. So they're the last seed. They have surprised me with how well they've played this year. Uh, as far as teams that have kind of underperformed, you guys hit the nail on the head with the angels. Personally, I don't see them as that good of a team because they don't have a lot of pitching, but with all those stars on offense, I think that they have definitely underperformed uh, being nine and 22 uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Jake, you said it. Bryce Harper has had a great year. Their roster on paper is one of the best offensively, and they are sitting in last place at 10 and 14. Uh, Drew, you mentioned it as well. Cincinnati Reds, I had them pegged to win the division. They're 11 and 16. I think they're underperforming. Bauer is having a great year. They have the roster and the hitters to be able to compete in the playoffs, in my opinion, and they are completely underperforming as of right now. So um, players, though that have surprised you guys for the first half of the season, uh, the first 30 games? Two players really stand out for me. Um, I think for me, he's going to also win another uh, award later on as we're talking, but Kyle Lewis has been um, just a huge surprise for me. When we talked earlier about rookie of the years, 
Um, he wasn't even on my radar. I, I didn't even have him in my top three. Uh, he leads the league in um, base percentage. He has an over 1,000 OPS, seven home runs, uh, 19 RBIs, and he's second in the American League in runs scored. I mean, for a rookie, um, crazy production. And I think only 60 games is going to make his rookie stats look even more inflated uh, and ridiculous. And then my second player uh, staying in that same division is going to be Lance Lynn. Um, he's a great player. I really liked using him in like MLB The Show 17 or 18, you know. Uh, hasn't done a lot since then, but this year he's got the most innings pitch in baseball and he has got a 1.59 ERA and an under one whip. Um, you, you just watch him pitch. I mean, he gets the ball back quick. He's in a great rhythm and he's he's really dealing right now. I don't see a lot of people more confident on the mound right now than Lance Lynn. I'll give you one player that has actually surprised me. And of course, I'm going to go here. It's my, my team, the Giants, is Mike Yastrzemski. Definitely. Son, not, not son, grandson of Carl Yastrzemski. Mike is putting together a great season. He's near the top of the league lead in doubles. He's got seven home runs. He's hitting well above 300. He's really been the main anchor in that Giants team and is the reason why they're even sniffing the playoffs. Like you said, Drew, if playoffs ended right now, they'd be the eighth seed. And they could even be higher. They had blown two saves against the A's in that ugly, ugly sweep. When I was kind of thinking, man, this is really where the season starts to kind of go down the tubes. But really, they kind of they struggled through that series, but they've been turning it back around. They're hanging in there. Mike Yastrzemski leading the way for the Giants. Love that. Um, for me, biggest player that hasn't really surprised me, but has just been tearing it up all year. Nelson Cruz, the age continues to go up and his numbers do too. You know, he's right now has 11 home runs and 27 RBIs. He's tearing it up offensively. And he's just one of those guys that continues to produce as he gets older. Um, as far as duds go, Drew, I'll pass it over to you. Biggest disappointment so far from a player standpoint this year. Um, this one is, this one's more, uh, I think, personal for me. You know, I watch more A's baseball than, than any other team, and I watch a lot of baseball. Uh, Sean Manaya has really been a pretty big disappointment for me this year. I thought that uh, him and Frankie were really going to be the anchors at, you know, the top of that uh, rotation, and he just – he can't pitch the second time through the lineup right now. I think – uh, first time through the lineup, his the batting average against is in the mid 100s, and then uh, the second time through it goes up to the mid 300s. Um, I don't know if maybe they try and make him like a long reliever. I mean, he seems like he'd be the ideal long reliever. Three innings, he's nearly untouchable. Um, right. But yeah, he he's definitely been my biggest disappointment so far. The fourth inning definitely for him has been the inning where it, I think almost every single start where a team yeah. score runs is that fourth inning. Yeah, well, you're taking on that. You're, you're, you're going, you know, probably two, three, four, five, the best hitters in their lineup, you're seeing them for the second time, usually in that inning. So it makes sense that that's where he starts to struggle. Jake, what about you? I'll stay in the same division as you guys. I'll go back to the Angels. I'll, I'll hit them with a double whammy. Give me Shohei Otani. Not going to pitch the rest of the year. Has been not been hitting the greatest mm -hmm. you don't give him all that money to come in and maybe hit down towards the bottom half of your lineup and maybe hit 250 right now on a good day uh, give me Otani he, he's right now 
he's what's bringing down that Angels team. People were comparing him to Babe Ruth when he first came here. He has been nothing near that as far as his time over here playing so far. So in my opinion, also staying in that division, I know he is a cheater. I know he's on the Astros. People don't like him. I know this one. But Jose Altuve, are you kidding me? What is going on in Houston? He's batting – well, he's been doing okay as of lately. He was at the low, barely over 100. Now he's barely over 200. But, God, 12 RBIs, 18 runs, and a guy at the top of your lineup who can – who can hit buzzer no buzzer we all know jose altuve can hit he has just been slumping all year long and i think i have him on my fantasy team so it's just killing me right now moving on to players that have been tearing it up all year in the runnings for mvp right now i personally have fernando tatis we all know it down there in slam diego as they say right now Fernando Tatis has been absolutely tearing it up swinging at three old pitches hitting them over the fence pissing everyone off but he is, I think, first Breaking all, all the unwritten rules. I'm here all, for it. All the Give it to rules. me. Me too. Yeah, sure. uh, first in every single category, I think, for uh, offensively. Uh, he is my NL MVP with, I think, Charlie Blackman a close second. So what do you guys have? Jake? It'd be hard to uh, disagree with you right now on Tatis, especially one of my favorite players, just watching him out there stealing bases up by six runs. You know, hey, give me all the Tatis. But just to play devil's advocate right here, I'll take your other one. I'll Give me Charlie Blackman hitting up there over 400. Yep. He's always up there scoring runs. Charlie Blackman really kind of anchoring that Colorado team that right now, like the Giants, a surprise a little bit, would be in that number seven spot for the playoffs. Drew, what about you? Not, not so surprised. I think we all had Colorado as a, a team that starts hot, you know, and they've, they've uh, been right, right what we thought they were going to do. Um, I mean, of course, you know, I would say Tatis as well. You love the excitement and just the flair he brings to the game. But, uh, again, to be different, um, I, I wrote down Mookie Betts. Um, I think I we talked about it when he signed that big contract, and I was I was the one out of the three of us who was super against giving him that big contract. Um, but he continues to just uh, rake. Um, he And he leads uh, – He's all of position players in war. So he's clearly been the most valuable player on the best team. Um, and he just continues to rake. So, Mookie. I want to stay on Fernando Tatis for a little bit. Uh, we talk about all these unwritten rules, right? The only unwritten rule that I ever played by was don't step on the line. Um, you got to know, I think, the hitter you are as well. Taking a 3-0 pitch if you're like in the 8 or 9 hole, not really a big star power flair guy like that. You take that pitch. But a guy like Fernando Tatis, who is probably the face of the Padres franchise, maybe Manny Machado, um, as well as the MLB, you know, Trout is obviously the face of the MLB, but he's changing the game along with Trevor Bauer. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the, him swinging 3-0 and just kind of all the situations he's been putting the MLB in lately? I was just going to say, I thought it was a little bit weak. Of, uh, of the Rangers manager or come out and say something against it. Uh, basically, just if you don't want somebody to hit a home run off you, throw a better pitch. Don't get down 3-0 in the first place. You know, you, you, you're just going to take every time you have a 3-0 count. I mean, you might as well, the minute it gets 3-0, just put 3-1 on the board, you know. So I, and my opinion is if you don't want him hitting a home run, don't throw a fastball right down to the middle to one of the best hitters in baseball. All right, Jake? 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I love it. You, you're always taught from a, a low level. You don't take pitches off, whether you're out in the field, whether you're on the mound, whether you're in the box. I don't care if you're up 3 nothing. I don't care if you're up 10 nothing. I don't care if you're up 20 nothing. It's funny that the Rangers are the ones complaining when they've actually won a game by a score of 30-3. to I know it's a different regime in place now, but come on, don't, don't complain just because you have one of the most, not, not just best hitters in baseball. I would call him one of the faces of baseball. Name me, other than Mike Trout right now, one player that you like watching more than Fernando Tatis. And right now, I don't think there's one player that you could do that with. So I'm all here for it. The, the unwritten rules, other than Drew, like you mentioned, don't step on the line, don't run across the mound. The other unwritten rules are stupid. <laughs> if yeah. you want them to be rules, then write them down. Don't give me this unwritten yeah. crap. That's yeah. the one baseball tradition that I don't agree with. You know, Trevor Bauer has said it as well multiple times. It is very hard to hit home runs in baseball, especially off guys throwing mid to upper nines now. And that's basically a norm. Uh, celebrating home runs, you know, being able to hit, I think you just take it with a grain of salt and you do what you have to do. Uh, that's what they get paid to do. Literally, if I'm paying this guy millions of dollars, I'm not going to tell him to take. I'm going to tell him to put runs on the board and not stop. We've seen it in baseball. I'm an A's fan. Uh, The Royals, a few years ago, however many years ago it was, we were up by six runs. We blew a six-run lead, I think, in the seventh or eighth inning. You put runs on the board. That is baseball. You never know what's going to happen, and that's why it is such a great sport. The other thing is salary arbitration and contracts negotiations i was listening to uh the corked up podcast she is a she talks a lot about how she is in the uh, sports agent field sports management field and when it comes to negotiations every single run that the player gets every home run average rbi that they have it affects how much money they get if you're a guy like fernando tatis you're being sure that you put as the best numbers up possible so that way you have the best contract for yourself you set you and your family up for the future um you give up you're gonna give up money so you can help save someone's ego you know what i mean it's like yeah and and it was disappointing to see uh the padres manager kind of speak out against fernando tatis as well you know i think you really have to especially a player who it plays with such flair you know you'd hate to take his that aggression away you know you like how aggressive he is when he plays that's what makes him so fun to watch and you're basically gonna try to put a leash on him I mean it just it doesn't make any sense and to not have your players back I think is uh yeah. it's a it's a pretty bad look and I think it's something that could come back to bite them in the end as a manager you have to have your players backs and you're 18 and 12 still in second place right now behind the heavy favorite Dodgers you're doing something right so let the guys play and have your players backs um moving on AL MVP um Jake I'm gonna throw it over to you who do you have right now for your AL MVP this year? So you mentioned a name earlier that got me thinking, Drew. You mentioned Nelson Cruz. And someone who's right there next to Nelson Cruz, who's kind of been helping their team along into a potential wild card spot, is Jose Abreu. He's really been holding it down at first base for the White Sox. His numbers are just about even with Nelson Cruz, maybe just a little bit below in almost every category. It's really hard to keep up with with Nelson's hot start this year. But give, give me Jose Abreu right now. It's a great pick. I love I love watching Abreu hit, man. I love watching it. He just uh, destroyed the Cubs in Wrigley last week. Um, AL MVP, uh, you, you hit you hit on the nose with Nelson Cruz. I mean, he's he's leading so many uh, different stats in, in the league this year. But um, 
a name that maybe I guess is a little under the radar would be Brandon Lowe. Um, playing for uh, the Tampa, Tampa Bay. They were just, I think, last week ahead of the Yankees for a couple of days. Um, Still are. Yeah, he's flashing 304, 398, and 676. Leads the American League in runs, and he's got nine home runs and 10 RBIs. He's, uh, he's killing it. Um, in the beginning of the year, I said I needed to see how that lineup was going to hit in order that of how I felt. And he's definitely been the leader of that lineup. And uh, just as somebody who I have on my fantasy team, I know he's, he's doing things every game. Uh, and he's really helping that team out. I agree with everything you guys have said so far. I also think that you can't rule, as we said many times, Mike, Trite, Mike Trout out of the MVP race. You know, he's kind of – his average dipped a little bit, but he's up there in home runs. He's up there in RBIs. Um, I don't think you can rule him out. Now, however, I am tired of giving this guy the MVP every year when he continues to get last place – or he's on a team that continues to get last place. If there's somebody that has similar numbers and they, their team makes the playoffs, I would, I would lean that way. Um, I think, you know, the, he's in a really tough situation unless his numbers are drastically different. You can only give him MVP if they're drastically different. To me, then, yeah. is that an argument of the name of the award that we need to have? Because is it most valuable player in the league, the overall best player, or is it most valuable to your team? And if we're going off most valuable to your team, it's great to have Mike Trout. But if it doesn't result in a playoff appearance, then what good is it to have Mike Trout as the, the best player on your team? Right. You know, so I think we've, I think we've seen that play out in voting, too. I mean, he, he's – for the last however many years been top three in MVP, but he's only won a couple. And I think it comes down to them not making the playoffs. And that is, I think the bigger, the bigger factor, you know, you have to think about how much a, another guy and another team is impacting his team. If they're overperforming expectations and it is hard, I think in baseball to say, you know, it's on, you're kind of putting it on Mike Trout a little bit, that the Angels aren't making it to the playoffs, and it is such a team sport. But at the same time, you know, how, how long are you going to continue to pump up a guy who's not making it to the playoffs? Right. I think being the best also comes with a lot of more attention and a lot more, you know, haters at the same time. Um, that's just how it is with every sport too, you know. Um, let's, let's move into talking about the uh, Cy Young. NL, I have Trevor Bauer. He is – been dominant all season long is 49 Ks right now, one six, five ERA. And he has the swag to show it off too. He's doing the McGregor walk after strikeouts. He's uh, gotten to cut a deal with Budweiser where he, you know, he's chugging beers after strikeouts now um, that's has Cincinnati buds on it. So uh, he's doing everything and anything for the Reds this year to keep them competitive. What do you guys think about the NL Cy Young? Give me Max Freed from Atlanta. You know, he's, he's Good I want to say 4-0, maybe even 5-0 right now. He's, I, I think, second or third in ERA, especially with the Braves losing Mike Soroka with no Ronald Acuna right now. Yeah. The Braves have been floating along, and they need to just withstand the storm. Haven't heard the latest update on Acuna yet. Hopefully he can make it back soon. He was one of my MVP picks. Wasn't even having the greatest year before he got hurt, but that's a team that a lot of people expected a lot from. And – they're still up there in first place despite two major injuries to two of their best players. So, so, and Max Freed is a big part of that. So give me Max Freed right now. 
Um, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll throw out another name as well. Um, this is definitely more of a like a first half Cy Young kind of pick. I don't think I would pick him to be the ultimate Cy Young or anything. But you got to give you Darvish um, a lot of credit. Um, really leading that Cubs team that I was talking about um, earlier, and kind of a guy who has been a little bit of a disappointment in the league, I think. Um, but, you know, he's got 170 ERA in 37 innings, 44 strikeouts, and an under one whip. And he's really the ace of uh, of that Chicago team, which is performing. Um, so definitely um, more of a like a mid-season Cy Young pick, but he, you got to give him some credit as well. All right, so that covers the NL Cy Young. Now we're going to move to the AL Cy Young. Jake, what are your thoughts on the AL Cy Young this year so far? The AL Cy Young, another team that's hanging up there would be second in the division right now, slotting in somewhere four to six in the AL. Give me Shane Bieber. He's really been anchoring that Cleveland staff. I want to say six and oh right now. I think he's leading the league in strikeouts. Shane Bieber really, really up there. just crushing it right now. Drew? Yeah, he's a, he's a great surprise. Um, I I got, just like in the National League, I think him and him and Trevor Bauer are kind of the clear favorites. Um, but just another name and um, my biggest surprise this year, I'm going to bring it back, is uh, Lance Lynn. Um, you know, didn't really expect a lot. Um, again, he's leading the league in innings pitch. He's got a 1.59 ERA, 50 strikeouts. He's 4-0 on a, a team where really I don't even, you know, he shouldn't even really have four wins. On that on that Texas team, I mean it. It's on the back of him absolutely dealing. That's that's getting him there, and you can tell that because he's leading the league in innings pitched. You know, I mean, they're when he starts, they're riding him. He he's not coming out in the fourth or fifth inning. He's he's uh, extending himself, and I think he's going to be one of the biggest names in the. And uh, we're on the trade deadline, and uh, we'll just see if he can keep it up when there's a little bit more pressure on him when he gets to a team who's maybe competing for a playoff spot. Definitely. Uh, I agree with you guys about Bieber. I think, you know, there's not really anyone that could catch him as of right now. You know, he got off to an extremely hot start, and I think that the way he's rolling, that there's no one that's really in his path. I think that's his award to win, or his award to lose if he underperforms the second half of the season. Been a, that's been a real disappointing pitching staff, too. You know, I, I was really high on the Indians pitching staff. And with Clevenger and with Carrasco not pitching well, um, it really it, – a lot falls on Bieber's shoulders. Definitely. Um, rookie of the year. Drew, I'm going to throw it your way to start. Who do you have for rookie of the year in the NL? Uh, the NL, I, he was my pick at uh, the beginning of the year on our first show as well. Um, Pretty, pretty happy about that. Uh, Dustin May, I got uh, yeah. from the Dodgers. I mean, he had that, he stepped up for Walker Bueller in uh, that first start. And uh, since then, I mean, he hasn't let up. He's got a 2.79 ERA in 30 innings, 1.1 uh, whip, uh, and a win. And I think he's in a great position. You know, he's got some, you know, Clayton Kershaw to learn from. He's got Bueller to learn from. And he doesn't have a lot of pressure on a team that has so many stars and so many people with big contracts. I mean, he can kind of just go out there and pitch. And if he doesn't have his best stuff that day, he's got so much backing him up. I mean, it's right. got to help with his confidence. So he, he's somebody who I'm really high on right now. Jake? Yeah, make it too. Give me Dustin May. Like you said, he, he's really in a spot where anything he contributes is just extra for the best team in the league that stacked it 
pitcher not only starting but also in the bullpen stacked at every position it's it's got to be Dustin May yeah I'd have to agree with you guys so far uh first half he's been pretty dominant and it doesn't seem like anyone else really is uh coming for that NL rookie of the year I did have Dylan Carlson top Cardinals prospect who recently got called up kind of struggling with the average a little bit but he did his first MLB home run the other day and then Nick Madrigal who is currently hurt uh came up off to a rough start his first game and then turned it around and he was up near 300. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Nick back in action as well. Um, AL rookie of the year. Jake, who do you have for AL rookie of the year? Well, it's a, a name we threw out there earlier, but right now it's, it's hard to say that it's not Kyle Lewis. You know, he, he's really been up there. He got off to such an amazing start. He kind of cooled off there for a little while, but now he's, he's been back stringing together a couple multi-hit games but a name that's not too far behind that we all kind of had at the beginning of the year was Luis Robert silently put together a really strong year. Also helping that White Sox team to a, a third place spot right now. But again, that's, that's in the wild card. That's a number seven seed for them. So uh, Luis Robert, not too far behind, but yeah, it's gotta be Kyle Lewis for me. Drew. I agree. I agree. I'm not going to touch too much on Kyle Lewis. I already talked about him uh, a little bit more uh, before and Jake hit on the head. Um, and I, I think Luis uh, Robert's a great pick as well. If you look at his, uh, at least the StatCast uh, stat era, he's got some of the hardest hit balls um, since they've been doing those stats already, and it's just his rookie year. Um, and then just another name to, to throw in there who Drew and I were pretty high on at the beginning of the year, Jesus Lazardo. Um he, He's, I think, in fourth place right now in the odds for rookie of the year, uh, but he continues to just he throws well. He's steady. He's got um, I think he's three and one, and um, it, he's in another I think good position like Dustin May, where I think he's kind of got not too much pressure on him. He can just go out there and throw. He's um, got one of the best teams in baseball behind him, at least defensively. Uh, so keep an eye on him as well. Yeah, I would uh, agree with all of your picks. I think Lazardo is right now not a favorite. Um, but he is definitely somebody to keep your eye on for the second half of the year. He's three and one, and he has the defense behind him, like you said. Uh, and when you're pitching, that is one of the best feelings to know that you have three, four gold or three gold glovers in the infield and one hell of an outfield too. Uh, Jake, Drew, both of you guys said it. Luis Robert, I actually just traded him in fantasy. I'm very upset about that, but he has been tearing it up as of lately. He has seven home runs. Um, 17 RBIs, a little under 300, but I think he's having a great year for a White Sox team that is now in, I believe, the sixth seed in the AL uh, standings. So really looking forward to his second half of the year as well. As of current, we have our AL standings, A's at the one seed, uh, Twins two, Rays three, Yankees four, Cleveland Indians coming in the five, White Sox are at sixth seed, Houston Astros seven, and the Blue Jays are eight. Uh, as far as the NL side goes, Dodgers at the top, Cubs in two, Padres three, Braves four, uh, St. Louis at five, the Marlins at six, the Rockies at seven, and the Giants are at eight. So beginning of the year, one of our first episodes, we each picked our division, uh, AL East, Central West, as well as the Pennant and World Series champs, and then same thing for the uh, National League. So my picks... Uh, for the AL East were the Yankees. They're currently, I think, a half game back or a game back to the Rays. They haven't been playing too much uh, lately due to the whole coronavirus thing that they had going on. 
Um, but what are your guys' thoughts for second half of the year predictions? Division by division, let's just roll through it real quick. Well, we'll start in the AL East. One thing to kind of keep an eye on there is the Yankees, not their run differential, but their record in one-run games. When we get into the playoffs, when we get down the stretch and every game is tight, you got to have that experience in one-run games. And right now the Yankees are just one and three in one-run games. It's also bad news for an AL Central team that I like in the White Sox. They also are just two and four in extra in, – sorry, in one-run games. So not good things for those teams. Now, granted, they do have the run differential to back it up, but you've got to be able to win in close games. That's also a sign of a strong bullpen. We'll see if they can last down the stretch. When we bring it to the AL West, the A's have the third best run differential in all of the NLB at plus 32. Houston, not that far behind for a, a team that has really struggled. We thought they would, I thought they would be a little worse. They're doing a little bit better than I thought, but they're, they're hanging in there. So that's kind of how the way the AL shaking out to me and kind of some trends to watch out for. Drew, what about you? Yeah, you nailed it, Jake. Um, I think another thing to watch out for with the Yankees is their injury um, woes right now. I mean, they got a lot of guys out. Um, and they and, and I, as high as I was on them at the beginning of the year, I do think they're still my pick um, out of the American League. But um, I'm definitely not as high on them as I was at the beginning of the year. I think, again, maybe they looked a little bit better on paper than we thought they were going to be. Um, the Central – is um, kind of just kind of just how I thought it was going to be. Uh, I'm not surprised by Chicago. I do think that them and the A's are very similar in if their offense isn't hitting home runs. Um, they're, I think they've been struggling in those games. Uh, you know, I, I really want to be high on Oakland. Um, I mean, obviously, as a fan, but um, I, it does worry me that they're so dependent on the home runs still. You know, I think that really has affected them in the wild card game the last two years is that they're, they're really good at, at hitting home runs uh, during the whole year. But when it comes to one game, I don't know if you can rely on that as good as their pitching has been. Um, it's, it does definitely scare me a little bit. So it's going to be with the White Sox and the A's both on that, where um, you hope – that maybe they don't get stuck in like a one game type of scenario where it matters. But I think those teams generally tend to struggle in the playoffs. So at the beginning of the year, we all had the Yankees win the East in the AL, the twins winning the central and the A's winning the West with the Yankees winning the AL pennant. Is there any changes halfway through that you want to make? Right now I'd, I'd give the AL pennant to the A's. I, I mean, this is, I had the A's in the ALCS after they beat the, the Twins. And so right now I'd just swap out who wins the ALCS. I'd, I'd give it to the A's over the Yankees. I don't even know right now if the Yankees go the way they are, if they make it to the ALCS. They may get topped by the Rays. They may, with as unhealthy as they are, they may get bounced in the first round. This is going to be an unpredictable year. But give me the A's out of the AL. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty similar, you know. I'm I'm very close to putting the A's over. Um, I'm a little worried they might be getting uh, a little too hot at the wrong time of the year. You know, they're they're playing real well right now. Um, I just hope when it gets towards Game 60, they're still playing with this much momentum. Um, I, I and hoping that it's not too early they're hitting their hottest part of the year. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't I think I had Yank the Yankees 
a notch above the A's. And I think right now I have them pretty equal. I think that'd be a great series. Definitely. Uh, Jake, moving to you, we got the NL, uh, your picks at the beginning of the year. NL East, you had the Atlanta Braves. Uh, NL Central, you had the St. Louis Cardinals. And the NL West, you had the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the pennant, you had the Atlanta Braves winning the National League. Uh, is there any changes that you want to make for the second half of the season and why? I'm going to write it out with the Braves. You know, it's real, real easy for me to jump ship and, and just jump on the Dodgers. Obviously, best team in the MLB, Braves without Soroka. But I'm going to ride with them because there's optimism that Acuna will be back. You've still got Albies. Freeman tearing it up. Marquecas came back after opting out originally in the season, came back, hits a walk-off his first game back. I'm going to stick with the Braves. I think they've got enough to kind of withstand. We'll see if they could truly outlast somebody like the Dodgers come hopefully in the NLCS, but I'm going to stick with the Braves right now. And then Drew, moving over to you, you know, you had the Braves in the NL East, Cardinals in the NL Central, and the Dodgers in the NL West, same as Jake, but you had the Dodgers coming out of the National League and going to the World Series. So would you change anything? And if so, why? Uh, I mean, the only thing I think I would change right now is maybe just have the Cubs uh, win in the Central. Uh, I don't I think they've already come out to such a hot start. It might be hard to see the Cardinals catch them. I think the Cardinals are still going to get second place in that division and make the playoffs. Um, and it doesn't change how I feel about the outcome of many of the series. I still have the Dodgers um, until somebody in the National League really proves to me that's going to be anybody else. I think you have to have the Dodgers. Um, it, my, my biggest change, I think um, – I think the Reds are going to be sellers at the at the trade deadline, which I just completely baffles me. I did not think that that's how the season was going to go, but um, yeah, I'd be I'd be higher I'd be higher on the uh, Cubs and lower on the Reds. Uh, being A's fans, I have a question for you guys. Um, do you think you mentioned Reds being sellers? The A's have a lot of good pitching prospects. Do you think with how Manaya's maybe been struggling, and if we're going to try to make a push? for the World Series or even a deep postseason run to, you know, beat the Yankees or whatever team may be in the ALCS if we get there. Do you think Bauer would be a likely candidate for a trade if we were to involve a trade with the Reds at some point? Uh, as much as I'd like to see Bauer, uh, as, as much as I think that'd be a, a great pick for him, he, his contract is up at the end of 2020, and it's just not the kind of contract that the A's generally are going to take on. You're going to have to give up probably Paulson, who's going to be your top prospect, um, and then maybe something else for a, a rental. You know, I think they learned, hopefully they learned their lesson uh, when they traded Cespedes for Lester for that same kind of deal. That was just the same, pan out. same thing I was thinking about with Lester, how he only had the rest of that year on his right. contract. That's right. Something. So I, I think as much as I would love to see it, uh, I, I do think that the contract is going to be what holds them off because I, I just, they have enough pitching already. They're I think second or third in team ERA in the league. And even with Mania's struggles, they've gotten so much out of, out of Bassett. Um, it hasn't mattered so much. So I, I think they probably would be more of a, a team to look for bullpen help than I do think starting pitching help, especially with the one us, thing, you know, Oh, sorry, Andrew. Like I was going to say the one thing, first off, not an A's fan. Don't get that wrong, Drew. It's, it's gonna always going to be the Giants for me. Little by little, I'm converting you, Jake. I may have worked for the A's, wink, wink, <laughs> but, you know, they'll hold a special place, but it's, it's, it's SF all day. 
There we go. I was going to say, though, you threw me a little swerve going to Bauer. I was going to say, you probably have a better chance of getting Sonny Gray back in Oakland than you do getting Bauer there. Not sure that I really want Sonny Gray knowing that you're going to have to go back to New York potentially in the playoffs, knowing that he struggled there right. when he when he was dealt. So I, I maybe you, you roll the dice on that one more time. But, you know, who, who's going to say no to another sunny day in Oakland, you know? There you go. Um, I'd say pro- I'd say probably they're more likely to look at a guy like Lance Lynn. That just seems okay. like much more of an A's type of move to make kind of the guy who Definitely. they can continue to turn into a better pitcher, you know, not somebody who's more established. Right. I completely agree with that. Uh, as far as my picks go for the NL, I had the Braves win the East, the Reds win in the Central, Dodgers win in the West, and then the Dodgers coming out of the NL. Um, National League central the reds really have let me down this year um i thought they were going to be a team that kind of ran away with that division but i'm going to have to go with my favorite national league team and switch it to the cubs i know they're in first place but go cubs go the rest of the way that's the one thing that i'm going to change it's a big year for them too they got a lot of guys whose contracts are up next year um they got i think uh rizzo brian and yeah um Who's, who's the short? Why can't I think of the shortstop's name right Javi now? Bays. Uh, yeah, Javi Bays. Yeah, Javi Bays. I think I think all of their contracts are up at the end of 2021. So how they do this year and next year is going to be incredibly important for them. So I think that's probably going to help that offense. Definitely. It's not it's not Bayez. It's Bays because he's Bay. Javi <laughs> Javi is Bay. Javi Bays. <laughs> all right, that wraps up today's episode with Drew and Jake about baseball talk. Um, Thank you guys for coming on, spreading some wisdom. Uh, Looking forward to sitting back down and talking baseball with you guys soon. Well, that wraps up episode six of Tailgates and Teasers. A lot of good sports talk there. I appreciate all those guys for taking time out of their day to come on and spend some time on here talking sports. Uh, Next episode, super excited. We have Blake the Beast McKernan. He's a professional boxer from Sacramento, California. He's on the co-main event for the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones fight card coming up in November. I'll be sitting down with him, and our next episode releasing next week will feature Blake the Beast McKernan. A lot of cool stuff coming your way. Stay tuned for giveaways, and stay tuned for more content coming your way. Be sure to participate in the Costin Hammer Network Fitness Challenge that benefits the Special Olympics Northern California as well. Well, that said, thank you all, and goodbye. I don't know.